Hey, good morning, guys. I'm so glad to see you, and, and it's been a great morning so far, and I'm really looking forward to this teaching. I've been wanting to share this scripture with you guys for a few weeks, looking forward to the sermons. I hope you like it. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm going to like it, but I hope you like it too. And, and you're just uh, such a blessing. Like, thank you. I, I just, just so, so uh, privileged to just to worship God with you guys. And like, you guys are bringing in your stories to this place. And it's a story of God in your life. And every one of your stories matters and it makes a difference. And don't let this day, it's a kind of a cultural celebration day. And, and you know that that advertisers are going to try to appeal to uh, a discontentment in you. And just don't buy into it. Don't buy into it. God's made you perfectly the way you are, and he's sanctifying you. He's changing you. Um, I'm going to tell you this, is that if you ever dream to be the halftime performer at the Super Bowl, you have a better life. You have a better life. I'm just going to just, I'm just, gonna bo- just, just speak that over your life, into your life. But um, you can all join me in praying for the Kansas City Chiefs for <laughs> two years in a row. Let's do it tonight. Yeah. The 49ers, boy. Well, I won't say anything. I won't say anything now. Because I, lo- I love the entire church, right? <laughs> so we are in a series called Presence. And we're looking at places in Scripture where the presence of God is. So we haven't got too far. We're just now in Genesis 28. And I could have stopped in other places. But the title of this message, and I hope you remember this in the future. The title is Your Bethel. Your Bethel. We're going to see what Bethel is and then how it could apply to your life. And so let's start today, Genesis chapter 28, and we're going to read verse 10 through 22. Uh, And then I think this will be a two-part sermon. I think I want to give half of it today and half of it next week is where I feel like we're going to go. So let's start with verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he reached a certain place, and he spent the night there because the sun had set. He took one of the stones from the place, put it in there at his head, and lay down in that place. Verse 12. And he dreamed. A stairway was set on the ground with its top reaching the sky, and God's angels were going up and down on it. And the Lord was standing there beside him saying, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham. And the God of Isaac, I will give you and your offspring the land on which you are lying. And your offspring will be like the dust of the earth. And you will spread out towards the west, the east, the north, and the south. All the people of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Look, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. And when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that was near his head and set it up as a marker. He poured oil on top of it and named that place Bethel. Though previously the city was named Luz. And then Jacob made a vow, if God will be with me and watch over me during this journey I'm making. If he provides me with food to eat and clothes to wear. And if I return safely, safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. 
This stone that I have set as a marker will be God's house and I will give you a tenth of all you give me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So what is Bethel? Well, on its most basic meaning, Bethel just means house of God. The house of God. And Jacob named this place Luz. He named it Bethel because after he had an experience there, the place had different meaning to him. And he said, I'm going to put this marker down. And I'm going to put this marker down. And this marker is going to be a place where I remember that I connected with the presence of God. This is now, because it's a unique place and a new place to me, it has a different name. I'm calling it Bethel. I'm calling it the house of God. So I want you to identify your Bethel through this story. And I'll have to say this, is that because we're mobile people and we're, we're, we're people who live longer than, than previous generations, maybe not this generation, but certainly in the last a thousand years or so, it, it's, it's highly likely, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say probable, that you'll have multiple Bethels in your life. Multiple places where you're like, I encountered God. And we know now that in a New Testament setting, you know, that we are the temple of God. So everywhere we go, we have the presence of God. But, but here's my premise today. And I want to say that again because I said it a little too fast and I want you to know this. We have the presence of God everywhere. Like anywhere we go, his presence is with us. Unlike in the Old Testament where it was defined uh, to places where the sovereignty of God uh, chose to be. He, he's given us the Holy Spirit. But I do believe that there, there are places unique to us where we encounter God that become markers in our life and become special places. And I think we take for granted those type of places. We, we, we are kind of disconnected to location. We're disconnected to places because we, we think, oh, well, all that matters is our spirit. All that matters is, is heaven. And we don't appreciate maybe how God moved through certain communities and certain places and certain eras of our life where we were in a certain geographical area, or we were with a body of believers, or we were at a place where we were getting stretched and changed. In the most simple term, Bethel is a place where you encounter God. It's a place where you encounter God. And so, as you know, that could be various places. With God, there is no there is no limitation to that. I mean, God speaks to us in our cars. He speaks to us on walks. He speaks to us in prayer closets. He speaks to us in really, really different places. But he has, in your spiritual journey, cities, churches, schools. Uh, he has communities, groups of people, certain jobs that have marked your life. And when you think about those places... I want you to think about him. When you think about places that God touched you, it's not that those physical locations are special by themselves, but it's God's sovereignty said, I am encountering her, I'm encountering him at that campground, at that conference, at that school, at that church, in that three-year period when they were relocated with the military. In that 10-year period where they were living in a part of the country 
that they didn't prefer. God says, I revealed my presence there in that place. And that, my friends, can be your Bethel. So here's my first point today, is discover your Bethel. Discover places where you encounter God. Now, I want you to see in verse 11 again, Genesis 28, 11, it says, he reached, and look at this phrase, a certain place. He reached a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones from the place, put it there at his head, and lay down in that place. Well, I've had a lot of experiences in my life, but I've yet to sleep with a rock as my pillow. That's yet to happen. So if that's happened for you, maybe I'll hear that story later. But I, that phrase in verse 11, a certain place. And, and I've thought about this a lot in the idea of pilgrimage. And this idea of like, do we need to go to special places to encounter the presence of God? Well, the answer is no. The answer is no. We don't have to. But I do believe God uses sometimes pilgrimage. And he puts pilgrimage in our heart. Because when we go to certain places... In his sovereign will, he is forming us through that travel and through that visitation. And in this instance, it happened to just be the place Jacob ended up when the sun went down. So the sun went down. He's like, well, I guess I have to sleep. Find a rock. Let me go to sleep. I have slept on some campgrounds where the mattresses were essentially rocks. So... I'll have to amend this sermon as I think about it more. Jesus had a prayer location. Yeah, we know he prayed at the Mount of Olives, but there, there's a scripture that has always caught my attention, and I'm going to connect it back to Genesis 28:11 because in the CSB, the translators use the same word. Look at a Luke, a Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. He was praying... In what? A certain place. And when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. So there's this place that Jesus liked to pray. And he liked to pray there and his disciples knew where to find him. And so you have some of those in your life. Um, Is it your prayer closet? Is it your back porch? Where is it? There's maybe a certain place and there's nothing holy There's nothing special about it. It's just your certain place. It's your place that maybe your attention is a little closer, more closely set upon God in that certain place. I think about one of the things that impacted my life, two two of my best friends, and I've got a lot of those. You know, best friend is not a person, it's a tear, right? I mean, so my best friend, I got about 20 of them, I'd say. Praise God, but... um, when, when we were youth pastors in Madison, there, there was one of our youth sponsors, his name was Rick, that came to the youth pastor, and I was the associate youth pastor, and he said, I really think that uh, we should pray in a youth room um, every day, really, Monday through Friday for a few days. And so we would meet before work, before he went to work in Nashville, and before we went to work there in the other part of the church building, and we would pray in that youth room. And so much was birthed from that, not just friendship, but calling. And then I truly believe that in that room, uh, a revival, uh, youth revival broke out 
and it was birthed in prayer. Now, could we have all prayed at our house and the revival still take place? Absolutely, absolutely. But God prompted Rick and then he invited John and I to join. And not only did that birth what we saw with the teenagers, it birthed really this church right here and a church in Texas and other churches from that. And there's something powerful about praying in a certain place. And if God's touched you this year, if God's touched you in this room this year, there's been about, oh, 30 people who have come on Tuesday nights and have been praying in this place over this chair because there is, there's a certain place that we're praying and we're praying that when God come, when people come in this room, that they encounter God's presence and he's moving there. This will be a good exercise for you today. Start identifying your Bethels. I mean, I have a lot of them. One of them is that youth room that doesn't even exist. It's been bulldozed now. But there's many, many other places, and this is one of them right here. I've had more prayer in this room than anywhere else in my life. There's no doubt. I've prayed more in this room than anywhere else in my life. So this is a, a, this is a Bethel to me. So when you guys, if I'll ever tear this room down, someday I'll be sad. But the work of God through this room will never, ever stop. This is a Bethel for me. And I, I bet it's a Bethel for a lot of you also. This is God's house because this is a place he's chosen for you to encounter him. Did you encounter God before you came here? Many of you did. Will you encounter God after you don't come to this place, to this room? I hope so, and you surely are able to. But this is a Bethel for us. We see the Lord here. Now, I know Mauricio asked an interesting question and asked uh, people to raise hands, and so I was going to do the same, but I'll just ask it more rhetorical. Who had a weird dream last night? (laughs) Who had just a really strange dream? Uh, Dreams are really, really wild. I actually try to forget my dreams as fast as I can. Uh, I'm the opposite of of other people that I know. My wife and daughter, they're always trying to remember dreams. And when they were younger, they would talk about their dreams at breakfast. And I was like, if I had a dream last night, I'm trying to forget it. And... um, and you guys enjoy telling each other your dreams. I'm going to think about other things. <laughs> so, so I just try to forget dreams immediately. But occasionally, occasionally, uh, God does, has spoken to me through dreams. And I always, always line those up with the Bible, first of all, and then the people that I'm in Christian community with. And here's an example, biblically, of Jacob having, you know, an odd dream. It was, it was a strange dream, uh, seeing this, stairway to heaven, uh, this, this place where angels are going back and forth. And it was, it was God's revelation for him. And this idea of revelation, I want to key in on here is that the Lord, his presence speaks to us and he speaks to you. So here's number two for me, my point today, dream at Bethel, dream at Bethel, find your Bethel, then dream at Bethel. Verse 12, and he dreamed. A stairway was set on the ground with its top reaching the sky and God's angel, angels were going up and down on it. And the Lord was standing there beside him saying, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. And I will give you and your offspring 
the land on which you are living. Isn't it interesting that God had already told Abraham this and told Isaac this, but he renewed it to a new generation. So when we say he's a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, there's this continuum that now goes to us today. But God doesn't just say, live off Abraham's revelation, live off Isaac's revelation. And he's saying now, don't even live on Jacob's revelation in Genesis 28. He has a revelation for you. He wants you to encounter God. And I just believe that the house of God, our Bethel, is a place of dreams. It's a place of dreams. And you know what's the greatest thing about dreams? Is dreams give us hope. And dreams give us a future. And dreams give us a pathway. And in this particular dream, obviously it was a revelation of the presence of God, which there is no greater dream. But I'm applying this also uh, to our aspirational life with God. I want to tell you this, dreaming is powerful. And that's why you need to include the Holy Spirit in your dreams. Because if not, we can dream up out of our own imagination and out of our own will, something that opposes the things of God. But I just believe this, that in your Bethel, and I'm just going to go ahead and say, since you're here today, Uh, It's likely that you're part of this church. If you're watching right now, you have a relationship with this church. That CIL church is a Bethel for you. And I want you to dream here. This is not a place for you to retreat. This is not a place for you to become less than. It's a place for you to grow. It's a place for you to increase. It's a, a place for you to let the life of God increase in you. And to joyfully take new ground with the Lord partnering with God. And so when, when the music's happening and we have those moments when we're aware of the presence of God, allow yourself to dream in this place. When, when you hear these messages, when we have our response time, allow yourself to dream. Allow yourself to imagine what God can do in your life and how he can take your life and make it, make it something that is beautiful to him. He's already done that, but he'll continue to do that. There's something special about dreaming in the house of God. Now, John, when he wrote the book of Revelation, was, wasn't in the house of God. He was in isolation in Patmos, an island. But we find something really interesting about his revelation. John chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. It says, I, John, your brother and partner in the affliction kingdom and endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Verse 10, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard a loud voice behind me like a trumpet saying, write on a scroll what you see and send it to seven churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Now, are those real, real places? Absolutely. Were those real churches that existed at the time? Absolutely. How do I know they're real places? I've actually been to those places. In 2011, I had the privilege to go to Turkey and to visit the seven churches of Revelation. And we obviously find application of those words to the churches today. But those were real churches and real people who received this 
revelation. But I want you to see once again with me, verse 10. Verse 10 said, I was in the spirit when? On the Lord's day. On the Lord's day. What's the Lord's day? The Lord's day is Sunday. Now, John would have likely, he, he would have observed Sabbath on Saturday. And so Jewish believers under, who, who believed in the Messiah still would practice Sabbath on Saturday. But they also would have the Lord's day, which is Sunday, which is the resurrection. We celebrate the resurrection 24-7. We do it every, every year, every Every Easter, but every day, every, and particularly every Sunday, we celebrate the Lord's day. So what am I hoping you see here? I'm hoping you see that it was custom and rhythm and regularity that John said it was on the Lord's day. It was on the day I set aside for worship. It was on a day where I prioritized worship. First day of the week in our, in our calendar we observe now, first day of the week, right? First day of the week, first fruits to the Lord. On the Lord's day, he began to dream. Guys, I'm just speaking that over your life, like new dreams of the Lord, new dreams in your Bethel, new dreams that can happen seven days a week, but new dreams on the day of the Lord. I pray that you'd be like John, that you would receive revelation on the Lord's day. And, and revelation that like counts for your life now. It counted for those seven cities and those seven churches. And revelation for you right now, may that be as you discover your Bethel. And then we see this, this, this point number three here. Encounter God's presence at Bethel. We've already kind of talked about this, but this is beautiful language out of Genesis 28, verse 16. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he said, surely the Lord, surely Yahweh is in this place. And I didn't know it. Guys, I could tell you story after story after story of people who have walked in this room far from God and said, I felt something. I I knew God was real. Sometimes they attribute it to the music Sometimes, occasionally, they attribute it to a sermon. Mostly, they attribute it to the love of God's people. I want to tell you, God changes people's lives through this church when they walk in that lobby because of you guys, because you love. And when we love one another and we have a culture of love, the presence of God is known and the presence of God is real. And we're going to see this is that people are going to say, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. Look at verse 17. He was afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. Verse 17. He was afraid and said, what an awesome, can you put verse 17 up? Yeah. What an awesome place this is. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Now we won't read the scripture again today later on, but he ended up naming that place Bethel, which means house of God. What was special about that place? Uh, Nothing. It was uh, a place on the road. It was where the sun set. It was a place where he found a rock and he was just, just sleeping there. But revelation came 
And because revelation came, he said, this is an awesome place. The fear of God, which in this context is a good thing. The fear of God's here. God's presence is known. This is a good place. This is an awesome place. There is none other but the house of the Lord. And guys, I, I really love the fact that church is casual now. I do. I mean, thank God that I, I don't have to wear a suit every Sunday. I mean, praise God for that. You know, when I first came here, I would wear a suit once a month with no tie. I don't know if anyone remembers that, but that's buried deep into my history. So I'm glad I don't have to wear a suit. I grew up wearing a suit most of my life to church every Sunday. So I'm cool with that. I'm glad we can dress casual. I, I'm glad that, that we can bring a coffee cup into church. I mean, frankly, listen, I understand some of you need coffee to get through my sermons. As I understand that. You know, especially these days, I'm not pacing and spitting and yelling and screaming as much as I used to. I'm, I'm going for the long haul now, okay? So, so bring your coffee into church, guys. And you know I get cranked up every once in a while. It'll happen again. But uh, I, I'm glad we can bring coffee into church. We can be casual. Uh, and, and we don't have to focus so much on, on architecture that we can never build buildings. I mean, God has been so good to us. And I love our building. I always have. But this is a box, man. And God has helped use this box for his glory. And we'll continue to use it. But I do believe that... We, we need to carry this concept of Bethel in our heart to say that this is not just a place where our bodies show up. This is a place where we're going to dream. This is a place where we're going to say, God is awesome in this place. God is awesome in this place. And, and we, we come away from the world to encounter transcendence, we, to do it together, to say, like, we're a people who say that, like, we live for more than music award shows and football games and our next vacation. And, and we, we live more for just seeing our kids succeed in sports and music. And life's more than that. God is awesome in this place. He's awesome in this place. And we're here in his house. It's our Bethel. And it matters that we're here because God is here. And so we're here. We come with expectation. I, I, for those of you who are Christians and believers, please come. All the time, every time. Bring your, bring your struggles here. Bring your troubles here. Bring your sin here. But also know this, is that when you bring that vibrant relationship with God here, you also make the community more aware of God's presence. So you bring your devotional life in here. You bring your worship in here. You bring the way you've lived your life. And then together, those of us who come here on a regular basis and those who visit, and then we even have people sometimes who travel and they're they're here in Hendersonville for a weekend. They're like, hey, we're going to check out the church. They can say, man, surely God was in that place. Surely God was in that place. They, They won't talk about us. They'll talk about God. That's what we want, and that's what Bethel is. That's why one of the things we're praying in encounter, we only have four more encounters left. So part of the reason, guys, I scheduled nine prayer meetings, so none of you guys will complain that the church doesn't pray enough. So I figured, like, like you can come to one out of nine. So we got nine weeks in a row, and you got four more chances. And then after that, don't complain to me about prayer meetings, okay? <laughs> I notice everyone wants, anyway, well, we'll just go on from there. Was that of you, Lord? I don't know. That's a matter of interpretation. But here's the thing we're praying. Acts 4.31 says, when they had prayed, look at this, the place where they were assembled was shaken. Acts 4.31. The place where they 
were assembled, were shaken. I know that we're having a little trouble with media, so don't worry. But think, think, I want you to write this down or look it up. Acts 4.31. I'm going to say it for the third time. The place where they met, this is New Testament now, was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. And that's what we're praying. We're praying for a shaking here, a shaking of pride, a a shaking of sin, a shaking of of being passive about the things of God, a shaking of worldliness. And when that happens, we will all be filled with the Holy Spirit and we will all speak the word of God boldly. Bold sermons, but also bold lives that we will speak the word of God boldly. And boldly doesn't always mean annoying. It means anointed. <laughs> speaking the word boldly. And sometimes speaking the word of boldly, speaking the word of God boldly is done in a very slow, soft voice. Boldly doesn't necessarily mean loud. And I can get loud and you can get loud and we can be a bold preacher. That can happen. But also, some of the most bold statements I've ever heard has come from a heart of love and a heart of truth and a heart of courage. And then here's my, your Bethel. Impact the world from your Bethel. That's what's great. It's great. I've been talking about our church. I've been talking about this room. But there's other places too. It could be a 242 group that you're part of, man, that just... Stuff happens in that house. Stuff, stuff happens in that apartment. I know the, the women's senior Bible study that meets on Tuesday mornings. Man, they, stuff happens in that Bible study. Like they, they, they come out with like, man, we pray the Holy Spirit came. Something happened. Something occurred. These small groups of men and women, things happen there. God does something there. Verse 13 the Lord was standing there beside him. That's good, isn't it? That's the presence of God. The Lord was standing there beside him saying, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. I am Jehovah, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your offspring the land on which you're lying. And boy, there's something about that too. Of just He was actually Sleeping in the promise. How many know that sometimes that we don't realize the promise is right underneath us? We're laying on it. We're standing on it. We're right there. The promise is, we're, is right there with us. The dream is what you already have. Right? The revelation is not going somewhere. In many cases, it's where you're laying, where your feet are, where you're laying down. And we know this from, oh, I got more to read in, 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 in Genesis 28. Let me go to verse 14. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth. You will spread out towards the west, the east, the north, the south. All the people on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And guys, we are seeing this through the message of Jesus. Jesus, who is a descendant of Jacob, but yet he is the ancient of days, and he's always been God. This is our mission. Our mission is know his love and share his love. 
but it really, that is a summary of the mission Jesus gave us in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. You know what's interesting, and we'll talk about this more next week, I believe. What's interesting about Bethel is that we don't always stay at Bethel. And Jacob was sent from Bethel. And God said, I'm going to send you from your Bethel, and then you're going to come back again. I'm going to be with you the whole time, but you'll come back to this place. And, and next week's going to be a historic service for us here at the church. I hope you're here next week. Because at the end of the service, we're having a commissioning service. And we're sending one of our own to the other side of the world. And for that person, I believe this is his Bethel. But also believe God is calling him to go. And the church leadership is going to affirm that. And many of you have given so he can go. And you've given to him personally. And you've given to this church who supports him. And so... It's going to be beautiful next week. Out of our Bethel, we're going to send one of our sons, and he's going to go. And he's going to go, and God's going to be with him the whole time. And someday, on, there'll be days and years he'll come back here. And now I'm preaching next week's sermon now. That's all right. Just in case some of you have a cool vacation to the Caribbean next week, <laughs> you're getting a pre-service. There's a memorial, and we're going to, he's going to know that this is a place, this is a place. Surely the Lord was in this place. And that's for you too. This is a place God has given you. Your 242 group, your men's Bible study, don't take it for granted. Don't take your women's Bible study for granted. Don't take your Bible, your, your Bible reading group, study groups that you're granted. They're Bethel's unto you. And you will, you will say, God, God is surely in this word because the insights he's given me. God is surely in this place because of the love of the people. God is surely in this place because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and that'll be good. There's another place that this Genesis 28 foretells, and it's a place called Calvary. It's where God chose to come as a man and embody all of his presence in Jesus because Jesus is God. And Jesus came to this world and he lived a sinless life as God. And he chose to go to the cross at Calvary. And he chose to be the substitute for your sin and my sin. And on the third day, he was resurrected. And that's why we're here today. We're here to celebrate him. We're not here just to fulfill our personal dreams or find our places of satisfaction. We're here because he has drawn us to him and he has chosen us and we are blessed because of that.